Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Well, Dr. Scripture, over the last several months, we've been doing programs on creation in the book of Job, Mm -hmm. and that is the subject of our program today. But in this program, we're going to be reading a passage in Job, which, as you've described it, is actually the first lengthy, detailed description in the book, which associates the power of God with what we observe in the creation around us. Well, that's right, Scott. We're going to be reading in Job chapter 9. And it is in this section that Job speaks of the irresistible power of God and cites for the first time in some detail God's power as it's displayed in his creation, for evidence of that power. Now, obviously, references to God as creator and the power of God have occurred several times in Job before chapter 9. Yeah, it is curious that this is the first detailed reference to creation since creation is referenced throughout the book. For example, God has been called El Shaddai. God Almighty, several times before chapter 9. And Shaddai is that name of God which is closely associated with his mighty power displayed in creation. And God has been called man's maker already in chapter 4. Yeah, didn't we do a whole program on that subject? (laughs) Yeah, we did. That was something that uh, Eliphaz had said. Yes. So, the identity of God Almighty as creator has been prevalent in the early chapters of Job. But now... When we come to Job chapter 9, we have the first of what will be many passages in the rest of the book that describe various aspects of creation in detail. And maybe I should say more specifically aspects of the identity of God as creator Mm -hmm. and his work in creation. So let's start reading at Job chapter 9, verse 1, and I'm going to read the first four verses of that chapter. Then Job answered, In truth, I know that this is so. How can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to dispute with him, he could not answer him once in a thousand times. Wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has defied him without harm? Now, to begin with, it says, in truth, I know that this is so. And Job was answering Bildad. And we might ask, what specifically was he answering? Well, I think what he's referring to is what Bildad says in chapter 8, verse 3 where he says, does God pervert justice or does the Almighty pervert what is right? Well, obviously, you know, Job knows that God doesn't pervert justice (laughs) or do anything that's wrong. So he answers, in truth, I know that this is so. And then what he does is basically explain that he knows not only is God right in whatever he does, but no one can argue with him either about anything. (laughs) And it is the statement that he makes there in verse 4 that Job then begins to illustrate by talking about God's work in creating everything. So again, here in verse 4, he says, Wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has defied him without harm? And this word mighty in verse 4 is very interesting. First of all, it's not related to the root word for Shaddai. Mm. You might think if it's translated mighty, it could be the same root word at least, but it's really not related to it. But it is an uncommon word, which only occurs six times in the entire Old Testament, and it occurs twice in this chapter, Job chapter 9. It's used here in verse 4 and again in verse 19. And in verse 19, it indicates the idea of mightiest or strongest of all. Let me read chapter 9, verse 19. Job's referring to God, and he says, If it is a matter of power, behold, he is the strong one, 
And if it is a matter of justice, who can summon him? Now here in verse 19, that word that's translated mighty in verse 4 is translated in my version strong or strong one in verse 19. Well, Dr. Scripture, in the NIV, Job 9.19 says, if it is a matter of strength, he is mighty. Oh, so there again, we see the translation as mighty in the NIV. That's excellent. And what we find is when this word is used to describe God in other portions of Scripture, it's always in the context of creation, just as we see here in Job chapter 9. I want to look at a great passage where we find this word. It's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah 40, verse 25, it says, To whom then will you liken me, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Now here in this passage, Isaiah 40, that word that is translated mighty in other places is the word translated strength, strength of his power in Isaiah 40 here in verse 26. And notice that it's in the context of Isaiah talking about God creating the stars mm-hmm. and not one of them being missing. And controlling them and ordering them and all everything involved with that. Exactly. And in Job chapter 9, we're going to see that that's what Job ends up talking about in the verses that follow this reference to God being mighty in strength. So let's go back to Job and continuing after verse 4, when Job says of God, he's mighty in strength, Job begins then to give the proof. So reading at verse 5. It is God who removes the mountains, they know not how, when he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble, who commands the sun not to shine and sets a seal upon the stars, who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea, who makes the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south." who does great things unfathomable and wondrous works without number. Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Were he to snatch away, who could restrain him? Who could say to him, what are you doing? Well, Dr. Scripture, it's appropriate that you referenced Isaiah chapter 40 because this passage here really seems to fit with it. Yeah, they really do go together. And and in part, it's obviously because of the theme of creation, but it's also because of the specific phrases that Job refers to are some of the very specific things that are referred to also in Isaiah chapter 40, like we mentioned the stars. But we're also going to see some other specific references that are identical in both chapters. For example, here in verse 5, It speaks of God removing the mountains and shaking the earth. (laughs) Well, you know, what's being discussed there? Is it talking about the slow progress of erosion? I mean, some people think that that might be what's being referred to. You know, the mountains don't even perceive that actually over time they're wearing away by wind and water. But I think perhaps more specifically what's being referred to here is how God can flip the mountains upside down or flatten them with earthquakes. (laughs) You know, it is God who indeed shakes the earth with earthquakes. And so it says he removes the mountains and they don't know how, or he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place. And then the second part of verse six is very interesting. It's pillars tremble. 
In other words, the pillars of the earth tremble. You know, there's another reference to the pillars shaking or trembling in the book of Job, but it's not talking about the pillars of the earth. It's talking about the pillars of heaven. In Job chapter 26, verse 7, we have another passage that speaks of God's power in creation. Let's start at verse 7. It says, He stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, and the cloud does not burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his cloud over it. He has inscribed a circle on the surface of the water at the boundary of light and darkness. And then finally, he says, the pillars of heaven tremble and are amazed at his rebuke. So Job refers both to the pillars of earth and the pillars of heaven. Now, I think that the pillars of heaven here are not talking about columns holding up the sky. (laughs) They're talking about the angelic realm. But I think it's just interesting, especially from a literary standpoint, how the language that Job uses, even though it's got to be translated into English, is just really beautiful. It has such imagery. And some other beautiful word imagery, if you will, is this idea uh, that follows the pillars trembling, Mm -hmm. and that's God stretching out the heavens. Oh, yeah. Here in verse 8, where Job says, who alone stretches out the heavens? It is. It's a beautiful imagery. This idea of God's hands stretching out space, you know, which we know actually happened in the (laughs) sense from science, we have an expanding universe, and we've touched on that several times. But this idea of stretching out the heavens, guess where else it's mentioned? Back in Isaiah Uh chapter 40, (laughs) this time in verse 22. Listen to this. It says, it is he who sits above the vault of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. You know, we're talking about the beautiful <laughs> imagery here. It's really a means by which we can get a sense of the grandeur of God mm. with these words. In our mind's eye, we can see the stars. We can see the expanse of space and then the hands of God stretching it out. It's really, really amazing, isn't it? God is quite the artist. Yeah, that's right. Indeed, he is a great artist, only he paints with light (laughs) instead of uh, a pigment. What an artist indeed. Well, then when we keep going on through this Job chapter 9, after it talks about him trampling down the waters of the sea, in other words, he can (laughs) calm the sea if he wants, it says something very amazing about some of those stars. There is actually several constellations that Job names specifically. The bear, which is Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, that is the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. He mentions Orion and the Pleiades and then the Chambers of the South. Now, the Chambers of the South, there are some differences of opinion as to what constellations are being described there. But here we've got four different constellations mentioned. And it's interesting that God himself mentions these very same constellations later when he is talking to Job, verifying the fact that no one can contend with him. (laughs) (laughs) And citing his power in creation as evidence. Exactly. That's what he does starting in chapter 38 on through chapter 42. But I want to read in Job chapter 38, starting at verse 31, God's mentioning these specific constellations. He says, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? So there's the mentioning of those three different constellations. 
you know, Dr. Scripture here, it's almost like God saying, hey, Job, you remember all that stuff you talked about earlier? Did you forget? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because after this chapter 9, and even really beginning here in chapter 9, Job begins to say some things about God that he regrets saying. <laughs> but there are two more verses here that we read that I just wanted to touch on before we conclude today. Verse 11 when he says, were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Well, in one sense, we're being shown the grandeur, the greatness, the bigness of God in a sense. And yet it's described here as if he moves past, we wouldn't even see him. What might that relate to? I, You know what I think of? I think of the earth spinning how quickly on its axis. It's flying around in space, and yet we don't perceive it at all. That, in my mind, is an analogy between the idea of God being so great, and yet it's possible not even to perceive his grandeur, his greatness. And so thinking of how great he is, who could indeed contend with him? It says again, were he to snatch away, who could stop him? Or who could say to him, what are you doing? (laughs) And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says. And before it's too late, don't forget to ask for the 2024 God's Creation Wall Calendar. This beautiful full-size appointment calendar is free for the first 100 people who request it. For us to send it, we must have your mailing address. We would also like to know the station you listen to and would appreciate any comments you have about the program. To request your calendar, email scripture at scriptureoncreation.org or text 574-551-1524. You can also call us leaving a voicemail if your call is not answered. And remember, these God's creation calendars make beautiful gifts for those special people in your life. Additional calendars are available for $10 each plus postage.